When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We have officially hit the halfway point of the 2022-23 season in the NBA. Without giving you the same spiel over and over again, just know that it's anybody's ballgame. It is anybody's ballgame right now. Denver's still at the top of the West, but they're tied with Memphis. Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Boston all separated by less than two and a half games. It's a giant cluster you-know-what, but it's also fun. Not going to go through every team like we did on last week's podcast and do all that jazz. Not going to talk about all the incredible scoring performances. We're going to go a little different direction today here on Keep It at 94. What's up, guys? Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz, another episode brought to you by the BasketballNews.com podcast network. What we're going to do is we're going to go over the midseason media survey. Ooh, how interesting is that? We're going to touch on some news that came out. For example, Kevin Durant, obviously going down with the MCL sprain. Hate to see it, but glad to know that it doesn't appear to be a long-term thing. And then we'll hit on any other topic that you really want to talk about, Brian. And I know that you're just raring to talk about this LeBron James one-on-one exclusive interview that you've seen all kinds of clips about on Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff. So yeah, we could pick where we're going to start here at the beginning. Uh, it's uh, it's up to you, man, but uh, I'm here to talk some hoops. I've been watching the last couple of days. It's kind of turned me into a good mood here because I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I have not had the best week to this point. Long story short, got my car broken into, but we've taken care of a lot of things. It's in the shop right now, but I just also con- completed an interview with Xavier Tillman of the Memphis Grizzlies. Can't wait to write that up. I'm in a good headspace. No negativity. Hopefully we can win some money uh, on the sports books here now that it's legal in Ohio, but I'm in a good place. I'm here to talk some hoops and I'm here to chill with my buddy, Brian. I'm very happy that you're in a good headspace. I'm worried about you, man, because the car got broken into, you tried to slice off your thumb. Oh yeah. Uh, I didn't mention that part. Got a vegetable chopper for Christmas. First use literally yesterday. I'm trying to remove one of the little placards or whatever the hell it's called in there. And it gets caught on one of the blades. And hey, I know I have a good product because that thing sliced it up good. I went through about 20 different bandages trying to keep the blood uh, from coming out (laughs) on my thumb. And uh, we finally found a solution that worked and it closed up. So we're good on that front too, everybody. Did you get a slap chop? I don't think it's slap chop. It's an eight and one vegetable chopper by I think it's Quan Hong. I think that's the sure the thing. And I looked that's, at YouTube videos and seen how to chop up my vegetables, how to slice up my garlic, how to slice up my zucchini, cucumbers, whatever I need to, because I'm a, a great chef these days. I'm following some recipes, and I think I make some damn good food. But this tool, I'm telling you, man, it chopped my, my, my tomatoes perfectly, and it chopped my onions perfectly. And I swear they don't have a sponsorship with us. But I'll tell you, man, I will recommend it, especially because it's only $22. 
It's like the, uh, the uh, was it, the Ginsu knives that can cut through an aluminum can and it can take one of your fingers off just like that as well. <laughs> they don't show those in the infomercials. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> There's a reason for that, luckily. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm just glad you're doing better. So um, when it comes to where we should start, uh, let's go off something that you said uh, to begin. And that's, once again our regular topic of parody in the West. And I just want to bring this up and we don't have to go into an ultra deep dive, but since we are at the halfway point of the NBA season, and because we do have so much parody in the league, especially in the Western conference where only six and a half games separates the top six teams and a team like Oklahoma city, which is currently the 13th, uh, in the 13th spot in the West. Should have only- ga- won their game last night, by the way. The Miami yeah. Heat made 40 out of 40 free throws and uh, were undermanned. The The Thunder had every reason to win that game. Shout out to Victor Oladipo. He's looking great for the Heat right now, making some big defensive plays down the stretch. Jimmy Butler gets an and one there at the other end. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander misses the, the step back three to try and, and put him ahead at the very end. But 40 out of 40 free throws. The Heat made. I've never seen that, and it's crazy to me. And it's cool to see because a lot of people, you know, spend their time complaining about free throws. But 40 of 40, that is something incredible to accomplish as a team, and they should pat themselves on the back. But continue. But, I mean, when you talk about the Thunder, they're only a game and a half back in the 10th spot, and we all know that's to get into the playing tournament. So as we sit here at the midway point, and we look at this Western Conference and how jumbled up and how tight it is, and how, you know, even like a little four or five game winning streak or losing streak can greatly change the standings. How do you feel about which teams really have a chance to emerge out of the West at this point in the season? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, you, as we can see, you know, Portland's kind of taking a little downturn here as of late. They just lost to the Magic last night at home. Um, Magic playing a pretty good band, brand of basketball themselves, by the way. Um, you know, if we're going to go into that too, shout out to, you know, Markel Fultz. Shout out to Paulo Bancaro, who I, I feel uh, we have not given enough respect to at all when talking on this podcast. We haven't mentioned Paulo much at all because we've been talking about Franz. We've been talking about Markel Fultz coming back, um, you know, and, and Wendell Carter Jr. has had a good solid season, but we have not talked about that rookie of the year candidate and leading rookie of the year candidate in Paolo Bancaro. So we'll, we'll get to him later. But as far as Portland is concerned, um, they're kind of slipping here as of late, um, not scoring quite as much uh, as we're used to. They are defending much better, but uh, they're on a four game losing streak and they've lost five out of six. And uh, to some teams that are concerning when you look at who they've lost to too, they lost to the magic. Um, they, they went on the road and lost all three games to the Raptors, Pacers, and Wolves. Um, and then they lost to uh, the Warriors before that. So that's kind of uh, an interesting situation playing out here for Portland because they were someone who had a lot of good vibes early in the season. And um, it seems like they're they're kind of just hitting a little lull here. Now, I don't think that that's something that's going to continue because Jeremy Grant's way too good of a player. Um, you know, we know what Dame's doing and, and Nikias Duncan did a very good breakdown of of what Lillard's been able to do off the ball uh, when guys like Anthony Simons and and Josh Hart are around and helping you know carry the load a little bit. But 
uh, as a team, it seems uh, Portland's regressed here um, in the last uh, few weeks. So keep an eye on that. Uh, Utah also had been on the downturn until they got a miracle win last night. And I, Brian, I'm talking about a miracle win. Oh, I saw it. And that was ridiculous. Ridiculous, man. There was a seven point possession. When's the last time you've seen a seven point possession? So here, let me walk you through it. The Jazz, they are down by five. And Jordan Clarkson puts up a three. And Karis LeVert gets called for a flagrant foul. Uh, Clarkson made the three. And then he made the following free throw. He made the free throw. He had two to get to make one, and then they got possession. Correct. Utah retained possession because it was a flagrant. And then on the ensuing next possession, even though it's the same possession really, but in the ensuing next play, I should say, on the inbound, Clarkson curls around, gets another three-point foul drawn on Karis LeVert. And so... Utah ends up with a seven-point possession, goes up by two. The Cavs are rattled at this point. All of the good work they did in the fourth quarter there just went to shreds, and uh, Utah prevailed. Clarkson, uh, another just terrific individual performance in a fourth-quarter takeover. Lowry Markinen didn't even have that good of a game, but he still had a solid impact on that game. I thought Mike Conley played one of his better offensive games that we've seen this season, as we know he's struggled from the field this year. Um, but that team, that team still got a lot of heart in it. So I, I, I can't count them out at this point. If there's anyone at the bottom of the conference, and I know I'm kind of skipping around here, there's anyone at the bottom of the conference that I would count out. It'd still be Minnesota for me, at least. Um, they have shown some, some pride here as of late. And, uh, that's a good sign because they're, they're actually trying to defend and they're, you know, starting to play with a little better of an energy, but I still, I still don't see how it works out with, with D low. I, I don't know if the Edwards go bear thing is going to be a long-term thing. Um, and you know, they got to continue finding minutes for Nas Reed. In my opinion, I, I, I still don't know why he doesn't play that much. I know that go bear holds it down, but you know, they, there's uh, too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, I think um, for that. And they, I mean, they've, maintained, you know, 500 ball with, with cat being out, which is, you know, pretty remarkable, but I, I don't know. They have beaten quality teams in this streak, by the way, like they've won four in a row ever after having lost six in a row that <laughs> it's crazy. They just alternate streaks. Uh, they had a two game winning streak. Then they had a three game losing streak, three game winning streak, the six game losing streak. And now it's a four game winning streak. And uh, they've beaten the Nuggets, the Blazers, the Clippers, and then they won at Houston on Sunday. Um, but for me, I don't know. It's just that inconsistency. I don't know if it's going to pay off, I, especially because the Lakers, you know, not to, you know, gas your boys up, but they are uh, playing some some really inspired basketball. And, uh, you know, even on at that game at Denver, I thought I saw some good things. We got to give a a big shout out to Thomas Bryant. He has really come in and played a huge role um, in the absence of of Anthony Davis. And I think when Davis comes back, he's got to stick at that five spot because um, he's doing some really good things. He is crashing the glass like crazy, dude. And he is playing some solid defense, um, getting them extra opportunities. The amount of offensive rebounds this guy's pulled down um, since the new year is insane. Um, And he's doing it with points, too. I mean... Since uh, December 30th, he's averaging 20 and 13, and he's shooting 67% from the field. Like, that's 
that's quality basketball right there. And they've won five out of six games. So it's not, it's not an anomaly. Um, right. I mean, he's been lights out for that big range Back game. to him, yeah. back to being who the guy was, uh, you know, in Washington. And uh, it looks like he's there to stay and he should continue to play that five spot. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, he's got such a high motor. And that's how he gets some of his points is he's just beating everybody down the court. But even LeBron James has said out loud in talking about how well Bryant has played, saying, I'm curious to see what the lineup will be like if it's me, AD, and Thomas all on the court together. And there's like, an extremely small sample size of that, and I don't have the number in front of me, but it's, I mean, it's its tiny. So you and you really can't say too much about it, but it's a huge plus on the plus minus scale. And it's something I think the Lakers really have to explore. And it's, you know, I'm not going to get into all the different, you know, trade talk with them and whatnot, but I think that's one of the other factors that the Lakers have to think about when it comes to, any potential trade and who they might want to go after is not only can uh, Anthony Davis ever stay healthy, but if he does, do they really need to go out and get another big because Thomas Bryant has played so well. There's also the thing too, that that Bryant is on a one-year deal and he's played so good for them. So, I mean, he's another guy just like last year, Malik Monk came to the Lakers and played himself into a much better deal and good for him. But now the Lakers have a couple people that are like that when it comes to Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder, uh, who have played excellent, you know, on minimum, you know, contracts. You can even talk about Lonnie Walker, who is on yeah. the um the mid-level, you know, making, you know, six million dollars. And up until his recent slump and he's been injured as of late, um, he had been outperforming that deal as well. So, you know, you talk about turnover for the Lakers every year that could be a problem. But when you just talk about this season, Thomas Bryant uh, has gone berserk, you know, over the last couple of weeks. And it's going to be curious to see what happens when AD does come back. And, you know, the news on that is that the team's now back in LA. Um, They're ramping up his workouts and he hasn't been feeling any pain. It sounds like he's going to start doing some on-court activities over the next couple of weeks. And there is a real chance that, he could be back playing at the end of the month. The biggest thing for him, I think now is it's not that stress reaction in his foot. It's the fact that they found a bone spur in his foot. And what is his tolerance of pain going to be for that? And how much is that going to affect him going forward? Yeah. And a a couple other guys too, to shout out on the Lakers real quick before we move on. Uh, Schroeder, the last week and a half or so playing like, you know, the guy that we saw in Atlanta, like, like he looks like, uh, you know, physically looks good and uh, playing a, a confident style of the ball. You, you always got to shout out Russell Westbrook, but the rookie Max Christie too, man, um, on the defensive end and, and, and just also, you know, starring in his role. Um, it, it, he is doing a good job. I, I, I guess I shouldn't say starring in his role. That might go a little too far, but playing, he looks more comfortable. I should say. Oh yeah. As the season's it, gone along. Well, he's had to because, not only has Anthony Davis been missing time, but the Lakers have been playing without Lonnie Walker, who's dealing with knee tendonitis. Austin Reeves has been out with a hamstring injury, so both of them are going to be reevaluated in about a week. And, you know, Walker's missed two weeks, I think. Reeves has missed a week, so they've had to deal with that. Um, Troy Brown Jr. has missed a couple of games because he's got a calf strain. And by the way, you PA announcers, it's Troy Brown Jr. Get the name right when you're saying his name in that arena. Um, because too many 
PR or too many uh, PA announcers keep calling him Tony Brown during a game. Okay. And he's getting upset about it. Hey, respect, <laughs> respect Troy, man. That's a basketball news alum right there. You gotta be, yeah. you gotta be good to Troy. Right. So, uh, but I mean, they, they've been really, really banged up and it's going to be curious to see what happens yeah, you know, if and when this team can be healthy, because like you said, they have been fighting and Hey, when they started the season, they were two and 10 and I can sit here and say, you know, this happens because you have so much turnover on your team. It's not just the new coach, but he brings his system. You've got all these different players. It takes a while to find some chemistry. Plus, we all know about the shortcomings of this team when it comes to shooting and whatnot. But, you know, since that slow start, they've kind of found themselves. And, you know, if it's, it's the biggest if that's out there. But if Anthony Davis can return and be healthy, I mean. There's uh, time to catch up. You, you literally yeah. have a whole half of a season to catch up here. Right. So, I mean, that leads me back to where we went down this rabbit hole here a little bit. But when it comes to the West, which teams do we really believe in right now? So, let me, I mean, let there's, me, there's let me run this down. There's like okay. 12 of them on there. That <laughs> oh, No, I'm not just talking about the playoffs. I mean, to come out of the West. Oh, to come out of the West. Oh, to come okay. out of the West. Okay. I mean, the Denver Nuggets. I yes. absolutely do. I think the Memphis I think Grizzlies. We were, yeah. I mean, the Grizzlies, yeah. Yeah, now, I would say so. They have right. the leading defensive player of the year candidate right now in Jaron Jackson Jr. No one's really talking about him nationally. I don't know why. He's he's literally been a blocking machine. He's the probably the most versatile defender in this league. Uh, he's easily um, a, a blowtorch when he gets it going, too, on the offensive end. Um, he's, he's had an incredible year, and no one... <laughs> No one seems to be batting an eye, and I don't know why. He's averaging over three blocks a game right now. And he's the, the only thing he has trouble with and has in his career is staying out of foul trouble. That is the only thing. Once he gets that figured out, everybody is in trouble. Everybody. And don't forget, Brian, this dude is 23 years old. Freshly turned 23 years old. Well, I know. It's it's funny because here at the midway you know, point of the season, we talk about who is the defensive player of the year. It's like between him and Brooke Lopez right now. Oh, yeah. Lopez is in that conversation. I think uh, when we get to our midseason media survey, uh, they mentioned Jarrett Allen being on there. Um, OG Ananobi was on that list, even though, you know, the Raptors have obviously struggled. But, like, yeah, um, the Defensive Player of the Year conversation, I think, is going to be an interesting one because there are there are multiple deserving parties. Um, oh, on absolutely. That front. So far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, let's run. Let's keep going down the teams in the Western real quick. So the Pelicans, do you feel like they are a team that could still come out of the West? I feel like, and I made this proclamation during uh, November or something like that. Some radio host asked me who you think the best starting five in the NBA is. And I said it was the Pelicans. However, however, they cannot stay healthy. Yes. Uh, it is very, very akin to the Clippers and God, don't get me started on the Clippers. I've watched like four straight Clippers games. I know everything that's going on with the Clippers right now, but uh, the amount of lineups they've had to throw out there is, is nuts. Um, I think they've had Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson in for nine games total together. Something like that. Uh, and, and Brandon Ingram has been still banged up. Yep. He's, he's been out. We know, we know how good and impactful Brandon Ingram is. 
We know that. And yet, C.J. McCollum is putting this team on his back because even Zion's been out with his injury. And he's going to be out, what, another three weeks? Something or rather, yeah. He's going to have to be reevaluated in three weeks. Um, and that was, uh, so it's more like two weeks now because that got announced on uh, the third. Right, and that's uh, a hamstring injury. Correct, yes. And, you know, like, again, uh, Ingram hasn't played since November 25th, but you got guys like, I mean, this is a typical Spencer Davies type of podcast because I like to give spotlight to people that deserve it. Can we give some love to Najee Marshall? Oh, my gosh. Just stepping into a role um, when when he wasn't even in the rotation at the beginning of the season, uh, or at least not getting these types of minutes in the, at the beginning of the season, and is playing an incredible role for this team right now. Um, putting it on the deck, making threes, playing solid defense. He did that, actually, if you remember, uh, two years ago, he was a, a, a crucial part of this team um, when it was more kind of towards the bottom of the barrel. He lost his spot a little bit. You know, Troy, uh, you, you have guys come in, and, and what happens is your, you know, your role gets taken away. You know, I mean, he had Josh Hart to fight with for minutes. He had Nikhil Alexander-Walker to fight with for minutes. He had, you know... All kinds of guys. Trey Murphy Jr. comes in as, a, or Trey Murphy the third comes in as uh, a rookie. That you know they trade for uh, Larry Nance Jr. So you're fighting with all these guys for minutes. But when your number is called, when Brandon Ingram's out, when Zion Williamson's out, when Herb's Jones is dealing with some knickknack injuries, that's when you can make your impact and step up. And to his credit, he has. Um, and and you know so is you know Trey Murphy the, the third. You have. Uh, Jose Alvarado, not a one-hit wonder, not a one-season wonder. This guy is legitimately making an impact, and I think getting better <laughs> as he's gotten more opportunities. And he is shooting the lights out uh, as of late, and he's been playing some really solid ball um, as far as being an aggressor um, you know, coming off the bench. So they've been staying afloat, and they're right there. They're the third seed. You got to wait for him to get healthy with their stars. Yes, I understand that. Um, but CJ McCollum deserves a ton of credit and those guys I just mentioned um, as well. For me, as of right now, and I agree that I think- I guess they, I didn't I'm, answer it. But I'm, I mean, <laughs> on, on paper, I would agree that they're one of, if not the best starting fives in the league. To come out of the West as of right now, I would say no, because I cannot trust them when it comes to their injuries. Okay, can't. so if that's the if that's your your rational you know your, your rationalization, I I get that I get that, but I I think talent wise, I I think they absolutely can, and I think their experience from last season could help them do it. So screw it, yeah, I'll say yeah. Okay, well the Dallas Mavericks, I'm still not there with them. I'm not either. Still not there with them. They're uh, not deep enough. Oh, let me yeah. ask you this: since you are um, around the Cleveland Cavaliers, what do you make of this talk that they could be interested in? Um, Trading Tim Hardaway Jr. to the Cavs. Um, if it's a Levert deal, it it, it makes sense stylistically. Um, if I'm the Cavs, I think long and hard because both of those guys are pretty streaky. Stylistically, they're not really the same. You know, Hardaway's more of a catch shoot guy. He could put it on the deck. He can you know fill it up and you know step in mid range one dribble, two dribble. Um, Levert's more of a guy who's who's going to put it on the floor. Um, and get to that little, you know, short paint mid-range uh, area, whereas, you know, Hardaway will just do it on a pump fake. Um, both have gone through injuries. Um, Hardaway has uh, one more year on his deal than than Karis does, so the Cavs would be on the hook for that. 
So they'd probably ask for a little more from Dallas. What I've been, what I've been preaching from the beginning about this Mavericks team here, I'll, I'll let you guess. Who do you think the name I'm going to bring up for Dallas um, fits the Cavs more? Who's the guy? Who's the guy? Just think about all the times we've talked. Oh, who's on Dallas right now? Yeah, that I, that I think would fit perfectly for the Cavs. It's not Tim Hardaway Jr. Is it Dorian Finney-Smith? It is DFS. Ding, ding, ding. That is right. And uh, the Mavericks, they're on the hook for uh, quite a bit of money with DFS. And he is very much so like a heart and soul of the team type of guy there. Um, So it'd be tough. It'd be a tough sell. But how much do you want Luka to have his usage? You know, that's what I'm saying. You know, DFS is is critically important on the defensive end. He is um, absolutely one of their best, you know, corner three shooters. Get that. Uh, But you have the... You know, the emergence of, of Josh Green, I know that he's been hurt for a while um, since the since last month. That that sucks. Um, but you still have Bertans there that you you can dangle. Uh, Reggie Bullock just hasn't made shots this year. It's not it, he's getting the same exact looks. He just hasn't made shots. Um, that would be, I think, the Cavs that that would be the Cavs ideal target in my eyes. Um, Finney Smith, because. He is such low usage. He is corner guy, can attack from the corner, and can defend multiple positions. The so Mavs not Fred Van Vliet, like some people think. <laughs> uh, I mean, that one makes sense too, though. I mean, I think we went over that Van Vliet. We went over. Yeah, we talked about that. Gary Trent. Week. We went. We went over some yeah. of these guys. Um. But, but I yeah. mean, what does Dallas have to give up? And that that's going to be the right. real question. And, and especially in this trade market that we're in right now, where it feels like nothing is going to happen until maybe within the last 48 hours before the deadline. Right. Even then, I don't know what's going to happen because the asking price is so high for everyone right now. And that's the the problem with, you know, them coming out of the West. I mean, Luca got him to the Western Finals last year. I actually, I think if I look up our predictions from the beginning of the season, I think I had Dallas in the play-in because of how deep this damn Yeah, I think I did is. too. I think I had the Nuggets coming out of the West. So, I mean, that, that's, I, I can't, I can't just go back on that. I don't think. Um, yeah. And that's just uh, too tough, too tough for me to go back on. Yeah, I had him eighth. Yeah. I had him eighth. So. Yeah. So I yeah I don't have I don't have the Mavericks there either. What about the your boys, the Sacramento Kings? Uh, can they come out of the West? I don't think in year one they can come out of the no, West. No, I don't. I, I think don't they're either. a hell of a team. And shout yeah. out to Domas Sabonis for playing through this thumb injury. He is still just wrecking shop. And we have to give a lot of credit to De'Aaron Fox, by the way. He is the clutchest player in the NBA statistically right now. And again, no one's really making anything of it right he is an incredible mid-range guy um when it comes to to crunch time he is relentless attack minded um down the stretch to get to the cup got to give him a lot of credit got to give him a lot of credit and they are still they still need a backup big i think to to really take a step forward um but i i, I don't think coming out of the west is Something that's that's in Sacramento's. Yeah, uh, I think 
too early. DNA. Yeah, they 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 need they need more seasoning. It's been a great mm-hmm. story. I think that fan base has been energized, terrific, and rightfully man. so. They, they, the, the atmosphere the there is incredible. Light it's the incredible. beam. I mean, even I mean, and some not the same because the Lakers beat them the other night. But the atmosphere in that Lakers Kings game was incredible. Even a couple of nights before that, when they played the Hawks and they won, and Kevin Herter hit that big shot and. The, I mean, that's probably been the loudest pop you've heard out of an NBA crowd this season. You know, so, I mean, it's great that the Sacramento fans have something to cheer for. And, you know, all signs are pointing up, you know, with with the talent that they have there. So, okay, we're both in agreement there. Let's go to the L.A. Clippers. How are you feeling about the L.A. Clippers right now? And their chances. Uh, well, one, they got off the schneid last night. That was a refreshing game to watch. They won. They, they handily won against Dallas, I would say. Um, and that was interesting to see because, you know, Luca usually owns that team. Uh, however, the last, I don't know, week and a half or so was cause for concern for me. They had um, dropped, what, seven in a row? They had lost six in a row before last night. Six in a row. So for me, it was this. No, for me, it was the spirit of the team. Now, I'm usually all for the the argument of of continuity, right? And like your your players have to play together in order to gain chemistry and stuff like that. I feel like they know how to play with each other at this point. That that they've been together for like three years now. Like it's it's not like they need time to gel per se, okay? However, it was a little concerning watching that losing streak. Uh, They were down by like 20 for like three straight games in the first halves. And they would try to battle back, right? I think think the most uh, deflating performance they might have had was against Denver. That that was just not close at all. Um, They played lethargic. They weren't ready to go. Uh, I think by the second half, Ty Lue just decided, okay, we're going to play our, our young guys at this point. And Moses Brown played great. I, I loved watching that because Moses was around here <laughs> um, for a, a little bit. So I always root for him. But it, it there was just no spirit there during that losing streak. And it was refreshing to see that first half yesterday because, I mean, Kawhi came out ripping and roaring. He set the tone. They didn't even have Paul George. Um, you know, they were able to kind of set the tone. It's it is the oddest thing with this team and Terrence Mann. I can't I can't put grips onto it. Um, they're starting him at point guard now. Okay, Reggie didn't even play. He was a DNP. Uh, Reggie Jackson, that is for people that don't watch the Clippers. Uh, but Terrence Mann is starting to, to get the starts there. And uh, it, as Clipper fans will acknowledge, uh, the, the the rotation patterns and the sub patterns for Terrence Mann is is maddening. Like, if you just look through his game logs this year, it, it, it's it's so weird. He'll go from a, a game where he plays nine minutes to a game he'll play 20, 24 the next. You know, like 11 minutes to... To 33 minutes in the span of two day or two games. They don't have a consistent rotation. And some of that is because of the health of Paul George and Kawhi sure. Leonard. But at the same time, nobody else is getting regular minutes, you know, but, in regular roles because those two are injured. John Wall has been banged up. You know, they've had, you know, uh, Batum has been, you know, out recently, you know, Covington missed a chunk of games. So, 
Covington's you know, also not had a, a particular role this year. No, it's been, it's been kind of it's it's been kind of topsy turvy. However, however, I will always go to bat for Tyloo. I never think that he's a bad coach ever, ever, ever. This kind of skids happen. The inconsistencies can happen. Um, I still think they are very capable of coming out of the West. I'm not going to move from that, and they have too much talent to say otherwise. I'm going to say no. And the reason why is because, well, a couple of things. As talented as Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are, and throw out even the injury stuff, they still haven't been able to do it yet Yeah, when it comes to come out of the West. There is a vibe, like you said, that I don't like with that team. You know, they've got so many guys that can do so many switchy things, and, you, and they're so deep. Does it remind you like uh, another team in the East that a lot of people had high hopes for that – you know, a lot of wing players growing off of last season could go farther maybe than some people thought. Like the Toronto Raptors, and they're having struggles as well. Not to the extent of the Clippers, but you know they've got their own set of problems. But I, I don't know what the answer is. Maybe it's just kind of addition by subtraction kind of a thing there. But they've got to figure something out. They have Luke Kennard and Robert Covington that they can try and dangle around. I think, you know, you don't want to get, you you don't want to part ways with Marcus Morris. You don't want to part ways, obviously with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. You're not getting rid of the Zubats. You have, you need another big to back up Zubats. Yes, you do. One of the things you need. Yes, you do. A hundred percent. I agree with that. I, Hey, speaking of Clippers, by the way, and I, I know that we're kind of, this is like a smorgasbord of a podcast. And I apologize, but because we're talking Clippers, I think it's an interesting time to bring it up. Um, do you remember my buddy Bob by chance that they keep telling you about? Yeah. Okay. So he texted me actually, uh, this morning and this, this is very real people, but he texted me that many have suggested the NBA needs to stop scheduling back to backs. Clearly the teams and players signify they aren't working because of load management and rest. You've brought up how it extends the season out in terms of dates, which is fair, but do you think it would only, it would help if the NBA only scheduled back to backs at home where teams had no travel, but play both days? What do you think of that question? Because I thought that was an interesting question. And I said, you know, eliminating those three and fours, three and fives, and four and sevens, I think, you know, would be along those lines. But I thought that was an interesting thought. What if back-to-backs were only at home? Or even for the visiting team, they would play each other two times in a row. they play each other on sure. back-to-back nights. Yeah, and no tra- there would be no travel. Right. Um, yeah, I definitely like that. I mean, they, they've done a little bit of that, but there still is some of those, you know, go on the road from, you know, maybe not the longest trips, but there's back to back. Still two, two and travel. a half hour trips sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'd be all for that. I mean, the, the NBA keeps trying to find ways to improve the schedule. I'm, I'm for it. Yeah. And the, the whole Rest dynamic, I thought I also found this very interesting um, when I was scrolling around on uh, social media, uh, was that a lot of the teams during the pandemic discovered that they could get by by playing some of their lesser roster guys. Do you think that that has affected it, the product today? Do you think that's a reason some of the teams are doing it now? No. No? Oh, okay. Oh, I like it. An opposing viewpoint. No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, it sounds like you want to talk on it. So speak on it. Say it again. Say it one more time. I want to make sure I get this right. 
I said, I was scrolling around on Twitter and I saw somebody that insinuated because of what NBA teams saw during the pandemic era that they could get by with enough wins that they didn't have to play their best players consistently all the time. No, I don't agree with that. And in fact, I think the NBA and a lot of teams have gone the opposite way because if you look at the minutes numbers, the star players are playing more than ever before. And some of that is because of the scheduling that's even out there right now because the schedule, you know, has relaxed a little bit. There there aren't as many back-to-backs. But if you look at the minutes, especially some of these superstars, I mean, there's guys that are averaging just as Pascal's many of them more minutes than ever before. Yeah. <laughs> Pascal, the entire Raptors roster is ridiculous. Right. Even Cleveland, even Cleveland, if you look at Mitchell and Garland, it's 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 ridiculous. Same with the same with KD before he got hurt, all that. Right. Like that, that was. I mean, we talked about the Raptors last week, but I mean, you look around the league at the star players and how many minutes they're playing, and it's a lot. And teams are writing them, and it, I think a lot of it is because of the way that the schedule has been adjusted. But there's still more adjusting, I think, that can be done. You know, one of the things, I mean, I would prefer to see is them scale back the season. But, you know, that's that's probably never going to happen. And, I mean, and we might have, you know, it looks like we're going to have an in-season tournament coming up here sooner rather than later. So make it that what you will. Watch. But, I'm scoffing at it now. I'm going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of people that have that goes. same reaction. Where it's just It's kind of one of those things you're like – ah, this is dumb. Why are they doing this? How does this make sense? What's in it for the players? What's in it for the teams? Blah, 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 blah. And then once you, everything gets worked out and then you actually see it executed, yeah. then you're kind of like, well, you know, maybe it's <laughs> well. not too bad. Uh, so, but I mean, I, that's just the way the league is right now. It's, it, you know, with the schedule, guys are, you know, superstar players are playing more than ever. Mm. And I don't know if that's really going into some of these injuries. Cause like a lot of them are fluke injuries. Like Anthony Davis, fluke injury. Steph Curry was a fluke injury. Um, now you can look at Zion, who has a history of injuries, hamstring. That's not good. KD. Um, you know, you, you look at KD. I mean, that's a fluke injury, but this is the third time in five years. He's had a sprained MCL. Um, and that's not People's even thumbs kind of getting hurt. Darius Garland yeah. getting hit in the face. You know. So, I mean, guys are getting banged up. I mean, look at Devin Booker. He's missed, you know, he's going to end up missing at least a month. What's yep. all said and done because of a hamstring injury. Is that because he was playing too much? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, these are finely tuned athletes and some of them are in their, you know, their best playing days, but at the same time, things like this happen. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So the Clippers, I think we differ on. Yes. How do you feel about the Phoenix Suns? <sighs> and I'm not going to do every team. I'm only going to do this and, Two more. Well, I mean, may as well do everything at this point. It, it, we, we just lied to you at the beginning of the podcast. It's fine. <laughs> um, uh, God. You know, I just, I like where their head's at after actually talking to them. You know, like, Monty is not a guy who has negative like he does not want to install install negative thoughts and he's somebody who who is going to be critical and he is not afraid to call his guys out but he doesn't do it in a disrespectful manner you know it, it all depends on when devin gets back i don't know if they're going to have the proper seating 
Uh, I'm gonna go no, actually. Yeah, I would say no as well. I know, but they're gonna they're gonna give you their fight. They're gonna I mean, give they, you their fight. I mean, has a team been more snake bit than them this season? <laughs> I mean, Devin Booker out. Chris Paul has missed games. Uh, Camp Johnson's missed games. Campaign has missed games. Um, I mean, they're they're incredibly banged up, and. You know, I, I still wonder about some of the chemistry stuff when it comes to Aiton, and that goes to the back to the off season and whatnot there. And then when it comes to Chris, you can tell that Father Time is catching up with him. There are times, there are games where he, he had can a good turn game in Cleveland, and then the very next game, yeah. not clunker. so great. And, and then had- there's some times where he has a good half, and the other half is not so good. Yeah. And I, hey, this happens to everybody. I mean, I'm not just singling him out, but sooner or later, it's going to get at anybody. And um, it might be his time. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. He's getting got (laughs) by Father Time, who is unbeaten. Mark it on January 11th. Father Time has caught up to Chris Paul on January 11th, 2023. Golden State Warriors. (laughs) Um... Coming off one of their worst losses of the season. To those Phoenix Suns that we just talked about. At home with without the return Chris of Paul. one Steph Curry. I was say, without Chris Paul, without Devin Booker. Uh, without Cam Johnson, without, without Cam Johnson, without Cam yeah. How the I hell did they win that game? And handily. Uh, what a stinker from Golden State. I can't give in on the Warriors. I can't. I still think they can come out. I don't know. I do I don't too. Know, they, you, you look at their plus minus and their starting lineup is by far the best on pay, when, when they and play together. When they're healthy. Okay. And their bench has been their, okay. Like Their bench it's not, has gotten better. It It's not like it was at the beginning of the year. Right. Like, because, their bench has gotten a little better over the, over the season. I still don't know why they don't. I mean, I don't know. They got Iguodala back, so that's going to help the bench. Love what you're seeing from from DiVincenzo. Um, right. Poole's going to move back to the bench. Anthony Lamb's um, been been doing a good job. Right. Um, Kuminga has definitely upped his role. Yeah. I mean, you can still use James Wiseman. They don't do it, but. <laughs> well, I think they could use a big. I mean, there's there's a couple of directions they could go when it comes to trade market. I think they could use a big when they have one right there. And because he's proven want- that he can do it. They want a veteran big. Who gives a crap? That's my they want some Wiseman just hasn't been able to catch on to their system, man. I don't know, man. I think that there's something wrong. You know, Draymond too always raw. talks about No, I, I Draymond always talks about how why don't we talk about how organizations fail guys? I don't know, man. I think I, maybe there's something going on behind the scenes, but I don't think that Wiseman's got been given a fair opportunity to God. It's so I was actually having this conversation yesterday, and this kind of applies. There's not many top three picks that go into win now environments, right? Like, there's not guys that have to concede part of their development in order to play a role, so to speak, rather than be able to showcase their talents and play through mistakes, correct? So James Wiseman's one of those. I got people around here all the time asking me why Evan Mobley isn't taking a step. And I respond with, he is the, literally the best isolation defender in the NBA by metrics right now. 
and they're talking about how he's not taking a step. It just, it's interesting to me that those top picks getting drafted to winning environments aren't seeing the development, particularly on the, the offensive side of the ball, that some of their peers do on worse teams. Well, Spencer, maybe we can find out more about the development of James Wiseman and if he's gotten a fair shake from Bob Myers when he starts his brand new podcast, Lead by Example. Oh, Jesus. I was going to say JC. Oh, my God. (laughs) Do we need more podcasts? (laughs) As I'm I'm talking on a podcast, we're one of like a billion uh, uh, podcasts. I understand that. That's right. Lead by Example with Bob Myers, part of the Omaha Productions Company. That's not going to be Heralded by uh, Peyton Manning. That's that's not that's not at all going to be a shill podcast, right? All uh, proceeds be- will go towards the Warriors Community Foundation. Oh, well, that's good. Well, it that's debuts good. December seventeenth, and what a guest for the first episode! Don't know how he got him. It will be Steph Curry. How did that happen? I can't. How did that happen? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but yes, on Golden State. Yes, on Golden State. I'm going no on Minnesota. I'm going no on Utah. Yeah. I'm going no on Portland. Okay, and no on the Thunder. Yeah. And no one the Spurs and no one the Rockets. Yes. And that leaves one other team. No, I don't think they can come out of the West. Sorry. The Los Angeles Lakers. Sorry. No. I Good, tend effort. To agree. Good effort, but I, I think no. I tend to agree with you. I will say TBD. The only oh, reason. Oh, his tone changes. He went from wanting to take the season two weeks ago to this, folks. TBD. It's crazy. I'm not. I, I lean towards no. I lean towards no. But I'm going to give a TBD. And, oh, and, man. And the whole, it's I just I want to see how Anthony Davis plays. Well, there are two things. Number one, they still have a tough schedule coming up over the next couple of weeks. That they do. What do they look like record-wise when Anthony Davis comes back? And how does he look after his first two weeks of action? It's a good question, Brian. I'm not sure. I don't know either. I'm not sure. But if he can look close to as good as he was playing before he got injured, and if this team can go 500 until he gets back on the court, mm-hmm. maybe. There's there's no team in the West that you sit there and go, don't have a chance against. There, there just isn't. There, there's no dominant team anywhere, but especially in the West. So you can't tell me that LeBron, the way that he's playing, and a healthy Anthony Davis, everybody go and light a candle for him right now, couldn't get something done. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? We shall see, Brian. We shall see. I still think. I, 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 don't, I don't doubt LeBron's ability to do it. I'll tell you that. Sitting here in Cleveland, Ohio, I do not doubt anything that dude can do. I just don't think it's this year. How about that? He's playing at a ridiculous level. Ridiculous. Yeah, he is. Let me throw one other thing, too. And he's he's, he's relatively staying healthy. And I'll give this little caveat, and we'll move on from that team. For all these people that talk about, like, ah, you know, in the offseason, they'll make their big move. They'll go and they'll get their third superstar. Just realize this. If they're going to do that, they can't just do it or, or, or they're going to you know, do with cap space or whatever. They can't do it with just cap space because 
they're already over the number because of how much they're paying AD and LeBron. And they're only going to have about $30 million in cap space. That's not enough to get a max player. Yeah. Unless it's a distressed one, which is something I put in my recent column on basketballnews.com, where I said they could possibly get a distressed one, that being Kyrie Irving, if we go back to that. But if they want to make a big trade in the offseason for, say, the rumored ones of a Bradley Beal or a Zach Levine, they would have to re-sign Russell Westbrook and use his money to trade for them. Otherwise, they can't do it because the numbers won't work. They won't have enough cap space to just absorb it. And would you take on that long-term money? Well, the Lakers for Beal or Levine? Yes. I think those nutheads would, but I wouldn't. (laughs) Uh, You call them nutheads. With Beal, way too injury prone. I wouldn't touch it. Levine, you could probably convince me, but I wouldn't do it. My big thing is... They already have a couple of stars. You're finally of the belief, like me, that you need depth and you need more spread out talent than just going after three guys and screw the rest of your your depth. They've won a championship with these two stars and that formula of having depth of role players, and they will not embrace it. The KCPs of life, the Danny Greens of life, the JaVale McGee's, the Dwight Howard. The Kyle Kuzma. Yep. All of that. They, They won a championship with it. And they immediately abandoned it. They did. They did. It's like the just go Rondos. Fill, you know, surround those guys with supporting role players. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. That's, that's easier said than done. Much easier said than done. Nice little no. commercial there. Uh, let's pop off on some news. You mentioned KD a little earlier. Um, so he's out for, I'm going to guess like at a least month. a month. Yeah, at least a month. Um, Brooklyn's still playing good ball though. And, you know, Kyrie shooting the lights out. You got Nick Claxton playing the best basketball of his career. Uh, what, what do you think happens happens with that situation? Do you think they, they maintain their level of play? They've won 18 of 20 games, man. And by yeah. the way, by the way, cheap plug, cheap plug. Um, it's on Thomas and uh, basketball news contributor Kenyon Martin. Both talked about this on a, a recent article on basketballnews.com. So make sure to check that out. But. Yeah, no, the they're rolling, they're playing defense. You know, I think we have we have talked about TJ Warren and Yutsu Watanabe uh playing a, a solid role for this team during the time. Uh you know, Ben Simmons is gonna have to step up offensively, obviously, with KD out. Uh but you might defense- have to average two free throws a game. I don't know. Uh see, there's that snark again, and I don't appreciate that. Don't appreciate that, Brian. But uh, I only speak I, facts. Hey, I only speak facts. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But they're in a good <laughs> headspace. Their head coach has him playing some amazing ball, and he deserves a ton of credit for that. Their schedule's pretty light through the end of the month as well. So that I mean, helps. that's that really helps because if you yeah. look through the end of the month, just real quick, yeah, they play the Celtics at home, but then they're home for the Thunder, at the Spurs, at the Suns, at the Jazz, at the Warriors at the Sixers, then home for Detroit, New York, and the Lakers. That ain't that tough. Mm. I mean, it is kind of a weird season um, in the NBA. Never say never. We'll see what happens. We'll see who gets those minutes and can some guys step up because uh, Seth Curry's got to play more consistently. Joe Harris is going to get more minutes, and he's got to start upping his game. We'll see about TJ Warren, but that schedule is not that bad. 
and then we'll see where we go from there. It does stiffen up in February, but you know, they built themselves up into a really good spot right now. I mean, they're 27 and 13 second seed in the East, even if they lose a few games, you know, they can still stay in that the top four. Yeah, I would say so. And, you know, we talked about Milwaukee a little last week. I feel like Philly hasn't gotten quite enough love because they're playing some really solid defense. And again, after returning from injury, James Harden is playing good ball and they've got Tyrese Maxey back and they're just kind of, they're flowing, man. Like they don't even need Harden to be like that MVP level, but he's, his like plus minuses or whatever uh, since he's come back have been terrific. And he's even playing good defense. Like, and I think it's a good, good mix. Uh, I saw something the other day too, that uh, Tobias Harris is one of the most uh, he's defended He's top three in uh, number of positions defended or something like that. Or it's like positional versatility. It's some sort of statistic. So you know he's he's doing a good job defensively. You have Melton in there. You have P.J. Tucker. And their depth um, is showing too. And I thought that that was something before the season that we talked about was how many people um, they, they brought in, particularly for me, was Melton and bringing in Tucker. But you're seeing it pay dividends now. And uh, I feel like we've not really talked about them a whole lot because not a whole lot's going wrong. And they've won five of six. And, um, you know, Embiid's kind of shuffled in and out of the lineup, and that's fine because we know how good he's been uh, and able to put up, like, monster numbers when he's in. Uh, but I feel like Harden's kind of been the the guy to set the tone for this team. Oh, absolutely. And... The great thing, like you said, is that he hasn't had to be dominant James Harden that we saw with the Rockets. You know, he is the guy that just fits in alongside everybody else. And now they've got Embiid back after he missed some games. They won last night. I mean, Philly is a team they can look for to really be on the rise. I mean, they're only three and a half games out of first place in the East. Yep. Yep. And a, a ton of confidence coming through for them, too. And finally getting healthy. Finally. 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 Uh, other piece of news too that that came in today confirmed with a couple league sources that Ricky Rubio, if all goes well, Wednesday's practice that Mr. Rubio will make his Cavs return in season debut in Portland on Thursday. So that I'll tell you right now will help a ton for the Cavs. Um, just to 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 be a ball mover, to be somebody who organizes that's the best word i had said who organizes when one of darius garland or donovan mitchell are not in there because that's happened before sometimes you've seen donovan's you know had to take some rest uh as i told you earlier darius garland's been dealing with a thumb injury he's gotten hit in the face 20 times this year so you never know when he's going to go out so he is a good player rubio that is to have as a contingency plan as and to have somebody off the bench who can set things up uh, so I'm excited to see Rubio back also because he's been recovering from that ACL injury that happened a year ago, which is crazy, man. It's been a year of recovery, but, you know, he's back. And uh, I can tell you just firsthand seeing his pregame workouts in Cleveland when when he was going around, he looks like to be in tremendous physical shape. He looks like he's dropped a few pounds. And I'm interested to see 
how he plays because we know how good Ricky Rubio is. And uh, it doesn't always come in the form of shot making. It can come in the form of a, a critical steal. It can come in a critical form of making the right next pass, the second next pass. Um, Rubio is going to be a really good addition to this squad. And it's almost like an acquisition midseason. Absolutely. And I mean, he was such a vital person to this team last year, you know, in its growth in being their sixth man and to get him and just that calming presence on the court and a guy that's kind of been there and can guide everybody through like certain situations. I, I think is going to be just, it's, it's an awesome addition to their team and exactly what they need right now. It is exactly what they need. Cause Sometimes, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him down the stretch in some of these fourth quarters and three-guard lineups because sometimes uh, these guys get a little bogged down. They get a very isolation-heavy. Um, ironically, we were talking about Levert earlier, but he is statistically one of the best isolation players in the league. Um, but he can get he can get a little sloppy sometimes. Um, you know, Darius Garland, tremendous game in Utah last night, by the way. He was really in attack mode. He is at his best when he's finishing high glass. And when he's threatening to lob and using that floater. Um, but anyways, when Darius, though, is is over-penetrating, he can get into some trouble and get into the trees sometimes. Um, so that, you know, is something that Rubio knows how, how to move the ball the right way. He doesn't turn it over. He's somebody who plays with the right pace. Um, and, and most of all, man, he just plays with a confidence that uh, really stands out. So... Uh, he's somebody who's gotten better with age. I'm interested to see physically how he bounced back. But like I get, like like I said again, um, in those pregame workouts at, at uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, he looked really spry. So um, I'll be very very excited to watch him come back and see how he you know flows with with Jared Allen. Maybe he can get Kevin Love going because Kevin Love, a lot of people around here are getting impatient with Kevin um, because of of his defensive deficiencies and. When he's not taking charges or making shots, uh, they're, they're, the, the fans around here are, are getting impatient because he's not been able to um, you know, justify the amount of minutes he's been getting. But Rubio and him have a great connection. Jetty Osman loves playing with Ricky Rubio. So um, the, these are uh, key components there to that team. And you know, there's been rumors going around Cleveland about solidifying a uh, position and that's the the three and what have we talked about you know since October Brian we talked about if there's one position lacking it's that small forward they've played a a carousel game they've started Lamar Stevens then he started to to regress as a shooter so then they brought Okoro in you know sometimes they've gone with um Osman in that spot uh you know they've tried Dean Wade Dean Wade's been sidelined um since the beginning of, of December, um, they really would like to have him back because he's probably the best two-way guy they they could have at that position currently on the roster. Lamar Stevens, very streaky offensive player, always good on defense. Uh, Okoro, a very good defender, but sometimes a little undersized against those bigger wings. And uh, offensively, it's a mystery box. Dean is somebody you know that can space the floor, can shoot the three, and has that kind of girth and and size to to bang bodies with with those bigger wings. However, a lot of those bigger wings are still a little quicker than him. So that's why I brought up Finney Smith earlier in the podcast because I think he'd be perfect at that 
three spot, especially the way um, they play Mobley at the four and Allen at the five. That'd be just a terrific, terrific starting five. But how would you feel about Robert Covington? Uh, I respect the hell out of Robert Covington, and he's played every position except for point guard, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think Rocco makes a lot of sense. Does he make sense for the timeline? Eh, I don't know. They have a very weird timeline, Brian. They have a, a win now timeline, but they're also not trying to break up the band, you know? Oh, but a very, very affordable contract, $11, $12 million. Um, somebody who's obviously played small forward in the past. I think he's, I personally think he's a little better as a four, but he knows how to play the game and he would fit in. Um, I think Kennard makes a lot of sense too, if you want to stick with the same team. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, small forwards that are not easy to find. Uh, I'll, I'll say that they're not easy to find, especially ones that can defend and shoot. Usually it's one or the other, you know? So yeah, it, it's they're They're a rare breed right now. And that's why when you see one of them pop up in any kind of trade rumor, you know, the price is high. I mean, the price is high for everybody right now. I mean, you're talking about guys that are over 30 years or old that are role players and teams are like, nope, we want an unprotected first. Wendy talked this morning. I mean, there, there's been rumors about Bogdanovich, but Wendy was adamant that the Cavs won't be able to meet that asking price of a first round pick and a young player. So that's probably not going to happen. I mean, you can right. dig around. You can look, okay, you want Gordon Hayward? He's got injury problems like and a large contract. I mean, you'd be able to get off of Kevin Love's money that way, but at the same time, you'd take back Hayward <laughs> like you know well like, how about the Rockets are saying they want an unprotected first for Gordon they've said that year after year after year after year for Gordon yeah oh my gosh which is ridiculous Holding how about John ransom. how about the rumor that the Hawks have said you want John Collins we want a Donovan Mitchell like package for him uh, the, the greediness of this league man <laughs> I'll tell you holy hell it's posturing right now I mean the prices are so high and there's so many buyers than sellers. And that's why I don't think there's going to be any trades until the final 48 hours before the deadline, which is still a month away. And a lot of teams don't know if they're going to be competing still. Like like they're still hovering around 500. Well, even, okay. So it wasn't too long ago. We were talking about, well, the bulls, you know, they're stinking it up, man. They they better break it up right now. Well, guess what? They won what, eight out of ten. They yeah. since rebounded. And I thought, like, if they were going to make any wholesale changes, probably wouldn't come until the offseason. The Raptors, people are still looking at them. I don't know. Do they really want to? I mean, things aren't working right for them right now, but do they want to break it up midseason? Or to me, they feel like a team that probably wants to wait to the offseason as well to make any kind of major changes. So I could be dead wrong there, but you look at all these teams right now and they want a King's ransom for these players. The price will come down a little bit as we get closer to the trade deadline, but that does not mean things are going to happen. We can sit here and say the Pistons have a high price for Bogdanovich. They just might keep them. I mean, they, they've been saying that. Some people think it's posturing. I think they're comfortable with keeping him. I mean, the Hawks have had John Collins on the trade, uh, trade market for two years. They're, Obviously pretty content with keeping them if their price isn't reached. Sure. So, I mean, the Raptors, anything that they could possibly do, if they do want to do, do something right now, the price is going to be ridiculously high. That's just mm-hmm. the way that it is right now. And I don't know how much lower anything is going to, uh, the price is going to come down on 
before the trade deadline. And that's why I don't think there's going to be anything too major. There could be a couple of things that could help tip the scales a little bit, but there's not going to be any superstars. And I don't think we're going to get a lot of movement. That's probably, you just took the words right out of my mouth. That, that probably is how it's going to go down. And then it'll and all then, blow up. It'll blow to and then, Yeah. Well, yeah <laughs> poor Zegas just got traded. Oh my God. <laughs> that was last year. <laughs> I still have visions of Brian Fonseca in our Slack or, or where I watched him. What just happened? What just happened? What just happened? Dinwiddie. <laughs> he's like, whoa, oh, like he saw it coming up on social media. Whoa. That was that was nuts. All right, we're gonna wrap things here uh, with the midseason survey. So th- this is usually we usually do the GM survey, right? But. For our uh, general knowledge, the good Mark Medina at NBA.com literally surveyed 30 beat writers and just got their opinions on who the best teams are, what's going on with the players, um, certain questions and whatnot. So I'm just going to go through and name all of these. We're not going to go through all of them because we're you know running really high on time here. But I just want you to, to pick out, once I go through all of these, um, what you find most interesting about some of these uh, opinions. Is that cool? Go for it. All right. So um, according to media, again, this is the media and a midseason uh, survey. Best team in the NBA, Milwaukee, or I mean, sorry, uh, Boston, Milwaukee, Denver, Brooklyn, Memphis, New Orleans, Cleveland, Philly, Clippers, Mavs. That is the top 10, and that goes... You could vote one through 10 and uh, there's a breakdown of total points and stuff on there. It's interesting. But Brooklyn got 40 first place votes over Milwaukee's 10. That's interesting. Even though they're fourth on the list, points wise, it's interesting. It's a little different. So a lot, And the Cavs of- got more votes than the Sixers. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, team poised to make a big second half run. Number one, Golden State. Not surprising. Two, Clippers. And then uh, after that, you have a lot of teams that are tied. Uh, team to represent the East. Boston, 57%. Milwaukee, 33%. Brooklyn, 10%. Representing the West. Now, this is interesting, Brian, because we just had this conversation. Number one on the list is the Clippers at 34%. (laughs) Two, Nuggets. Three, Grizzlies. Four, Golden State. Five, Dallas. Who will win the finals? Boston, 57% say the Celtics. Two, the Bucks, that's 30%. The Nets at 10%. And the Clippers, again, at 3%. Best Three game of the, the four season. teams out of the, uh, out of the East there. Crazy, man. Just absolutely nuts. Uh, best game of the season, number one, uh, 43% say Luka with his 60-point, 20-rebound triple-double against New York when they were down by nine. We talked about that one. Number two, Denver and Phoenix going at it on Christmas Day. Uh, number three, Donovan dropping 71 over the Bulls um, on the second day of the new year. Best play of the season. Luca's rebound off that intentionally missed a free throw and game time put back to force OT in that game, 43%. Um, two, Aaron Gordon's and one dunk over Landry Shamit on Christmas Day. Yeah, that one was, that one was, whoo, and they called it a charge at first. I was, I was just bleeding mad at that. Um, Zion's 360 windmill against the Suns and De'Aaron Fox half court game winner against the Magic on November 5th. 
Okay. Most surprising storyline of the season. Um, Brooklyn's bounce back, 20%. Two, the Kings' ascension, 17%. Nobody believes that the Kings are like, I, I got to see it before I believe it. See? See? <laughs> Check your Slack, by the way. I, I gave you the um, the link for the, the thing. Um, I'm looking at it. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, number three, the Warriors' inconsistency at 13%. And tied for fourth, the Pacers' start and Minnesota's struggles. So that's interesting. Yeah. How about this? This is a this is a whopper. Based on what you've seen, which team has made the best overall personnel moves? Number one in a boat race, the Cavs, 67%. I wonder why. There's an MVP candidate named Donovan Mitchell. That's right. Number two, Utah, 10%, and tied for third, Boston and Denver with 7%. Rookie to be the biggest steal where he was selected. 30% say Andrew Nemhard of the Pacers. Quick plug, I interviewed that guy last month. Please read it. It's on basketballnews.com. Number two, Walker Kessler, agree here on the Jazz, 23%. Terrific, terrific polished footwork and amazing timing with his blocks and shot altering. Almost like Rudy Light. Not going to go there, though. Number three, Ben Matherin at 17%. Number six. I agree with that. Who's on track to win MVP? Well, it's between two guys, according to the uh, the media. It's Luca at 43%, and it's Joker at 40%. Tied for third. Everybody wants to give Luca the MVP. Every year, it feels like Luca's number one at this time. Mind you, mind you, this is the media, too. This is not the GM, so. Right. Um, but tied for third, Giannis and Tatum at 7%. Who's on track to win Rookie of the Year? Hmm, I wonder. Uh, 97% say Paolo Bancaro and 2% or sorry, 3% give it to, uh, Benedict Matherin. So at least Matherin's getting some love there. Who's on track to win defensive player of the year? 37% Brooke Lopez, but this is interesting. Jaron Jackson Jr. 27%. Three, uh, is, uh, Jared Allen at 10%. Sixth man of the year. This one kind of irks me. Excuse me. Jordan Poole at 33%. But Mr. Poole started some games this year. Not exactly thrilled with that. And I, I don't, that means either media isn't watching or I, I don't know. Malcolm Brogdon comes in in second with 23%. I don't really agree with that either. Ben Matherin, that would be my pick at the moment. It's Ben Matherin and, and Bobby Portis for me. But Ben Matherin and Christian Wood tied for 13%. But now Wood's not going to matter because he's in the starting lineup now. Uh, Russell Westbrook receiving votes. Malik Monk also did an interview with him. So check out basketballnews.com to read that feature. Uh, Norman Powell of the Clippers, and hey, Bobby Portis got a vote too. So that's good. Uh, most improved at 53% uh, media picking Lowry Markinen. Number two is going to be Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 33%. Then you have uh, Tyrese Halliburton and Simons, Anthony Simons of the Blazers um, at 7% for Tide. Coach of the year, 43%. Going to Jock Vaughn. Rightly so. Uh, and tied for second, both at 23% apiece, Willie Green of the Pelicans and Joe Mazzula of the Celtics. This, this one, this wasn't on last year's because you don't know what it is. Clutch Player of the Year Award, Luka Doncic, 47%. De'Aaron Fox, 13%. Hey, that makes sense. Someone's watching. KD at 10%. Who's been the best point guard? <laughs> I, know you're, I know you're reading these. 
<laughs> Luka Doncic, 80%. He's not a point guard. He just happens to have the ball. I, I'm going to laugh when I see him at small forward. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Steph Curry, 10%. John Morant, 7%. Halliburton, 3%. Best shooting guard. Donovan Mitchell running away with it, 62%. Devin Booker, 17%. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both voted at 7%. Jason Tatum's not a shooting guard. I disqualify this. Best small forward, Jason Tatum, 62%. Kevin Durant, 28%. And there's Luka Doncic getting a vote. Is KD a small forward? Uh, Technically, I think no. Maybe we really want to break it down to ones, twos, threes, fours, and fives. Well, that's funny you ask that because best power forward. Okay, so Giannis Antetokounmpo, 72%. Next on the list, second is Kevin Durant at 14%. And three is Zion Williamson at 10%. And someone voted for Nikola Jokic as a four. What the hell, people? What? Who the hell is the five on Denver then? Oh, God. DeAndre Jordan? Don't get me started. Okay. Best center. Oh, 86% said Nikola Jokic, except for the Yahoo that voted for him as a power forward. Number two, Joel Embiid at 14%. Look at the fine print. It says also receiving votes. Oh, geez. For power forward The Yahoos that said best power forward. (laughs) But hey, no surprise. Jokic and Embiid got the the, the votes. There's not even anyone that the other receiving votes. Ha! This is funny. Best shooter in the league, Stephen Curry, 97%. Clay Thompson, 3%. This Sorry, is, buddy. Th- this is interesting. Best international player in the league. Jokic edges out Antetokounmpo and Luka. So it's 38%, 34%, 28%. See, right there, that's some voter fatigue when it comes to the MVP. Because if you put this against who's your leader for MVP, they have Luka over Jokic. Wow. So that makes no sense. Exactly. You, you, that, that really doesn't make sense. Uh, Best passer in the league, Jokic at 65%. Behind him, LeBron James, Luka, Halliburton, and Chris Paul even gets a little vote here. Best rebounder in the league, and rightfully so, the guy who leads the NBA, Domas Sabonis, 38%. Steven Adams, 21%. Giannis, 14%. A lot of different votes in this one, by the way, so I'm going to make mention. Clint Capella, Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond, uh, Rudy Gobert, Jokic, Mitchell Robinson, and Zubats. And what that's year no is this? Drummond, somebody's still voting. I mean, people are still voting for Drummond in 2023. But I mean, I guess if it's a skill, yes, he doesn't get as many opportunities and less minutes, obviously. But still, an interesting, interesting combo. Head coach with the best in-game adjustments by far, Ty Lue, sixty percent. So people see it, but Clippers fans don't. Uh, Spo in Miami was seventeen percent. Rick Carlisle, seven percent, third place. Best ATOs, Steve Kerr, 21%. And tied for second all around, Carlisle, Jason Kidd, T. Lou, and Spo all had 10%. First year head coach with the most positive impact. Missoula gets 37%. Jock Vaughn gets 23%. Again, that doesn't make sense if they voted for Jock Vaughn to be coach of the year right now. What the hell are they meaning? Will Hardy with 20% though. Um, and I'll just make mention... Darvin Ham was was mentioned, and Mike Brown was as well. Ooh, this is one to write down because if you don't like the direction of your team and want your coach fired, one of these guys could be it. Current NBA assistant coach poised to become a head coach by start of next season. Charles Lee of the Bucks, 31%. Kenny Atkinson of the Warriors at 28%. And Sam Cassell, 13% uh, on the Sixers. Kenny Atkinson could be a head coach right now. He just changed he, his mind. He changed his mind and 
good decision because they're second worst team in the uh, Eastern Conference. Active player to make the best head coach one day. Chris Paul, 40%. Garrett Temple, 10%. Mike Conley, Taj Gibson, Draymond Green, Halliburton. NBA superstars do not make good head coaches. Chris Paul will not be a good head coach. Takes. All the takes. And we have only a few left of the miscellaneous questions. The most underrated player in the league. This one goes around. It's got a lot of votes. Halliburton edges out with 13%, but SGA at 10%. I like this a lot. Lopez, Brooke Lopez, and Domas Sabonis both tied for third. I 100% agree on that. 100% agree on that. Are there any names uh, that are also receiving votes that stick out to you on this? There's a lot. Uh, underrated players. Um, Laurie Markkinen, the way that he's playing this year. Sure. I think Anthony Simons would be the other one. I'm going with I'm going with Jakob Pertl. Jakob yeah. Pertl on that list. There, but we're not going to make mention of all these guys. There's too many. Um, right. Toughest player to guard. Kevin Durant, thirty eight percent. Giannis Antetokounmpo, twenty three percent. Luca, twenty percent. I would have to agree with that. How do you guard a guy who makes 51% of his mid-range jumpers, even when they're contested? I mean, at least with Luke, with Giannis, you can try to get in the way and try to take a charge. Kevin Durant's just making stupid hard shots. Same with Luka. Don't get me wrong. Um, and especially at his size, if you're a guard, you're trying to guard him, but it's interesting. Which player forces opposing coaches to make the most adjusted adjustments? Uh, Steph Curry, 25, 24%. Luka, 21%. Jokic and Antetokounmpo, 17%. Scrappiest player in the league. I love this. Number one, Jose Alvarado, 31%. Marcus Smart, 24%. Drew Holiday, 10%. And best home court advantage. They're still giving it to the Warriors. Interesting. How Cleveland isn't on this list actually is really surprising to me. Not even receiving votes. That's weird. Golden State, 37%. Boston, 27%. Nuggets, 17%. Milwaukee, 7%. I am, I am flabbergasted by that. Be, especially, especially because a lot of people that come in here, beat writers specific, specifically, um, talk about how good of an environment that Cleveland has. That's interesting. Hmm. Promising young core. The most promising young core. Memphis, 43%. Orlando, 20%. The Pelicans, 17%, and the Cavs at 10%. Again, really, really odd. It's not like Donovan's like, Donovan's 26. That Wow. If I was the Cavs, I would take a slate to this. <laughs> um, and then you have which rookie will be the best all-around player in five years? 73% say Paolo. Ben Matherin's uh, 10% the next one. And Jabari Smith on Houston at 7%. Okay. I think, uh, was there anything that stood out to you on that one? There's one in particular that stood out. Which team will represent the West in the NBA Finals with the Clippers getting 34%? Media like them, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, we've seen that all season long, though. Oh, uh, Before the season, the Clippers were a very popular pick. So they're sticking by, they're sticking to their, 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 their they laurels. All right. You're sitting there thinking, just got to get healthy. Got to get healthy. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. All right. 
I did what I wanted. I wanted to go through that midseason survey because I, thought, I think those are always interesting to go through what everyone thinks. Um, the GM one's a little bit more merit to it because these are actual decision makers. This is just people that cover the league, and clearly some people don't watch. <laughs> but uh, we try to keep it up and as, as accurate as we possibly can here and keep it at 94. So thank you for listening to us. I am Spencer Davies. I am on Twitter at Spin Davies. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies. Brian is on Twitter at Brian Fritz. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Remember, you should subscribe, rate, review this podcast. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen. Click those stars. Give us a good rating. Please interact with us. All we want to do is talk to you guys, and you can tell us how we can improve this podcast and how we do. Just want to know. Just want to know. And uh, just cook the books for us, please. Um, also subscribe, rate, review the uh, Dunker Spot. They just had their two-year anniversary, so congratulations to them. Family of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. Don't forget to visit BasketballNews.com. We've got exclusive player interviews, great articles, podcasts, and a great YouTube channel. Subscribe and download our app. Do all that stuff. Make us happy here at Basketball News. We're trying to give you the best coverage we possibly can in 2023. So until the next episode of Keeping It 94, We will talk to you another time and have a good one.